Hi, I'm Marissa Alexa McCool, author of The PC Lie, How American Voters Decided I Don't Matter, and of course, host of the Inciting Incident podcast. And dear God, why would you listen to another cis straight white guy like Jesse Dollimore? I never listen to this bullshit, and you should be ashamed that you are too. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, episode 353 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, the excited for life, the filled with zest for life, lovely, talented, beautiful co-host, Brittany Page. Let's not get out of hand. <laughs> that, I think that's my role on the show. That is your role on the show. Getting out of hand. It, it should be like a slow buildup. So we start off kind of on an even keel here. And then slowly, <laughs> as we start talking about things, you get more yeah. hostile. <laughs> I don't know why I did the the episode 350. Like, uh, like I was some kind of an announcer guy. It's like when we were at Patri- Patricon uh-huh. and we were talking to that, uh, that person, that woman. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd start talking about the show, I went into like radio guy mode. Yeah. Well, you you love to do impressions. That's what you're Would known you stop, for. Stop with that. No, that's what you're known for. It is not what I'm known for. Um, I think that people... Despite what you write on posts on Facebook that I'm some kind of a master impressionist. Okay, I didn't say that. I saw that video of the Walking Dead guy. The What? He's a character from Walking Dead and he does impressions. Oh, that guy's from Walking Dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so... He he was doing all these impressions, and I tagged you and said that you have some competition. <laughs> Come on. And someone said, oh, I didn't know Jesse does impressions. Clearly, they don't listen to the show. Because and I wrote, I don't, because well, I don't. No, you do impressions of Bill O'Reilly <laughs> pleasuring himself. You're, that is, you're the one who, who does the voices. I don't do voices. You have told me... You, <laughs> you have told me stories about... In your past, mm-hmm. when answering the phone, doing voices. Okay, that was involuntary. <laughs> involuntary. I don't have control over that. <laughs> that is some sort of mimicking issue that I have. Well, why don't you regale the audience with the tale of your your impressions that you do? Uh, well... Are you on the spot? Okay, so... <laughs> when I was a teenager, my... Uh, ex-boyfriend's father called my house and asked for my mom. And he had the deepest voice that I've ever heard. And so I answered the phone and he said, hello, can I speak to your mom? And I was like, yes, just a second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, I pulled the phone away from my head and I was like, oh my God, what did I just say? Why did I do that? Um, And I've done that a couple of times. I think oh. just when people have voices that are um, interesting or I don't know. Uh, but clearly I didn't mimic it in a very um, <laughs> realistic way, as you, as you can tell by it, my impression. There. It's kind of like when a politician, Hillary Clinton comes to mind, where she goes to like a black church and then all of a sudden she's got this affected 
southern drawl. We are going, and she's talking in that kind of black pastor cadence. Yeah. It's like, come the fuck up. I mean, I think it's probably a natural thing. Yeah. It's like, I have this thing where I have to be careful if I'm talking to someone who stutters. Mm-hmm. I almost said a stutterer, but that's probably not the right way to say it. Uh-huh. Someone who is affected by a stutter. Bias free language. Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean the stutter like they trip over their words. I mean, like a, a like a, just a bummer that really affects their life, like a stutter, stutter, where they can't they can't hit the word. It's like a mental, you know, like a clinical thing. Okay. And when they're, all right, all right, I get it. <laughs> so anyway, so if I'm talking in the Marine Corps, I knew a guy. He was a master gunnery sergeant, the highest enlisted rank. And I'm talking to the guy, and he's a, he's a guy with a stutter. Almost said it again. And uh, I start fucking stuttering. But not like a woo, 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 but like a, and then I get, I'm going to like, ah, get a hold of yourself. And then you follow it up with stuttering Stanley, stuttering (laughs) Stanley. Is that what you do? That's from Sixth Sense, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's for the audience's edification. I know what that's from. Real contemporary reference. Yeah, because when you're a corporal in the the Marine Corps, that's what you do to people who are like six ranks ahead of you. Yeah. Well... Good times. Um, Good times. <laughs> I, yes, just a minute. Yeah. Uh, very... You're still mortified by that, huh? Well, it was pretty... You think when he, he looks back on Brittany Page now, he's like, that little bitch. She was making fun of me. No. I They didn't like me because I wasn't Mormon, so that was the primary issue. That's why you think they didn't like you. <laughs> No, I know that's why. (laughs) Uh. Well, here we are, episode 353, just a day out from doing episode 352, and last episode just kind of ran away with us with all of the calls and the emails. I always underestimate how long it's going to take us to get through, not take us like as a chore, but how long it'll take to get through voicemails and emails, communication with the audience. And it took the whole it took a whole hour. We had a good time. I think it was a great show. We got some great feedback. Thank you guys. We're happy to be back on schedule. But now we need to get to all of the news that we missed while we were gone. So, without further ado, and very quickly, not normally this early in the show, we're gonna hit Dollamocracy. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, a lot's going on. Donald Trump is in Asia. A lot of stuff we missed last week. Indictments. We talked about that with Drew on episode 351, I believe. But there is a lot going on relative to the DNC. We are now finding out that Jeff Sessions is a, well, it's almost (laughs) unavoidable that Jeff Sessions is a fucking liar who has now lied at least three times to the Congress and on um, confirmation forms. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, all of this, though, it is culminated... In Donald Trump's absolute lowest approval ratings thus far. And uh, 
That's saying something. We were talking before the break with counselor to the president, Kellyanne Conway. I was asking her about the approval ratings for the president on the one-year mark since Election Day. And I think we should put on screen the, the newest data we have. This is from ABC out overnight, this ABC Washington Post poll, uh, showing President Trump at a 37% approval rating. Uh, the number, we, we've heard it for months now, 35 37 38%. We just can't underscore enough how historically low this is. Errol, you were making the point to me during the commercial break uh, that Kellyanne Conway is an accomplished pollster. Yes. She's aware of how disturbingly low these numbers are for her boss. Uh, I respect that she doesn't necessarily want to discuss that. But I, I think to myself, the biggest story involving the Trump presidency right now is his disapproval from the American public. Absolutely. We have to keep coming back to it, even if it feels repetitive. There, there are important political implications to that. And that's not to discount what she was trying to say about the economy doing well, and that's going to count in the president's favor. Okay, fine. Even with that great economic performance in recent weeks, he's uh, performing so badly that she as a pollster knows very well that it's the kind of thing that turns donors off. It's the kind of thing that invites challengers. It emboldens possible uh, challenges to the president, not just on Capitol Hill with legislation and doing the White House's bidding, yeah. but even a challenge against the, the president for his reelection is, is not out of the question when the numbers are just that bad. So, uh, you know, and then you've got the, 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 the generic poll that puts a generic uh, for, for uh, the outcome in Congress next year, puts the Democrats 10 points over the Republicans. Mm. She knows that that is trouble. She knows that that's got to get turned around. It is very high uh, in their inbox, politically speaking, and I don't, um, I don't think she really wanted to talk about it this morning because I, I don't know if they have a plan for it. Two things that bother me about this. One is people are still treating Kellyanne Conway like she's a credible source for someone who is, well, she's a, she's a very well-known pollster. She understands this, blah, blah, blah. No. Quit treating Kellyanne Conway like she has an ounce of credibility. Well, Brian Stelter was widely criticized for having her on his show this week um, for that reason, because even though she is a representative for the president, she's the counselor to the president. Yeah. She's speaking on his behalf. Um, she has a severe credibility problem where everything that comes out of her mouth needs to be challenged because nearly everything that comes out of her mouth is a falsehood. Yeah. So, he was criticized by other journalists, hmm. by other opinion people. I don't know how I feel about that. For having her on the show. She still is a representative of the president of the United States, though. Whether, whether you know, she's a representative for a, uh, an anomaly, a one-off weirdo president or not, she's, it is still convention to have someone on to represent the administration. Now, if she comes on and represents the administration in a bad way... I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, it's not just a bad way. It's what you were saying, that she has a credibility issue. And so it's having someone on who is coming out and just lying constantly. Yeah. So it, it is incumbent upon the person interviewing that, that person to challenge them continuously. And yes. I think that's what the issue is. Because when you are talking to someone like Kellyanne Conway, it's so much. Yeah, you've got to be on your shit. And if you aren't, then you are letting misinformation go unchallenged. Right. And, and that's a problem because then it is distributed to the public. Yeah. And then the other thing is, it's a little early to be talking about a challenger in a Republican primary against a sitting president. 
what spine has the Republican Party shown up to this point that would indicate anyone would step up and be a challenger to President of the United States? No one. It hasn't happened. So who was Errol talking about there that would be in a position to mount a challenge to run for president against an incumbent president? Ben Sass, Jeff Flake, who's quitting the Senate after this term, John McCain, who might not be alive then. It, it just, it's the media jumping to the sensational side of things rather than sticking to the facts. So let's get to some of these issues. Well, first, I also wanted to talk about the fact that Gallup, which eh, sometimes they have some questionable polling, has him at 33% approval rating. So standard is 37. They have him at 33. That's pretty fucking terrible. And all of the things we're going to talk about right now, with the exception of the the DNC stuff, actually, we'll, we'll push the DNC stuff until next time. But everything we're going to talk about is adds to that. It's an accumulation of problems for Donald Trump that end up with him, like I've talked about in the past, slowly evaporating support from even his base. I just want to say really quick where you get that information about Gallup. Uh, 538 gives them a B minus typically for their um, their polling. Right. So no, you told me that. So I and, and <laughs> compare that with like Rasmussen reports that typically gets like a C C plus. Right. And they're conservative. Um, Rasmussen. Yeah. And, and so they they rate the pollsters that they include in their overall um, tracking for how p- the popularity of Donald Trump and Gallup just doesn't have an A. So that's kind of where that was coming from. Well, it, it, there are famous polling. I was shocked by that when you told me that the other night. So. I want to always keep that in the back of my mind when we read a Gallup poll that they clearly have data issues relative to, you know, converting their numbers, their their raw data into into results. Well, and apparently that's based on the historical accuracy of the firm's polls hmm. uh, along with their methodology. So it's it's 538's own analysis of the pollster. I would trust Nate Silver, so... So, Donald Trump, after the terrorist attack in, in New York City, went on what wasn't really shocking, but it's one of those things in, in today's society where when you hear Donald Trump, you're not shocked by it, but you're shocked by it. It's just because it's still coming from a president, so it is shocking, but you're not, I, I don't know how to explain it. It is shocking, but it's not shocking. When he said he distinctly and explicitly said that our justice system is a joke and a laughing stock and we need to be much harder on these animals these terrorists we'll never ever forget the beautiful lives that have been taken from us that was a horrible event and we have to stop it and we have to stop it cold we also have to come up with punishment that's far quicker and far greater than the punishment these animals are getting right now. They'll go through court for years. At the end, there'll be who knows what happens. We need quick justice and we need strong justice. 
much quicker and much stronger than we have right now. Because what we have right now is a joke and it's a laughing stock. And no wonder so much of this stuff takes place. It's a joke and it's a laughing stock. Aren't jokes laughing stocks? Because you <laughs> laugh at jokes. Um <laughs> I he's such a fucking simpleton. Well, this is another I mean, it it continues to get more embarrassing, but he continues to tweet. I mean, he's calling for the death penalty for this terrorist on Twitter. The the guy who's dead. Oh, no, he's not dead. He got shot in the stomach. Right. 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 And I was thinking the guy in Texas. Yes. And they actually there was a criticism. I forgot which news outlet wrote the article, but they said, why wasn't Donald Trump calling for the death penalty for, I think, Stephen Paddock? And they had to release a correction (laughs) and say, well, this is actually uh, probably because uh, Paddock is dead. (laughs) Probably because. Wow. Um, But they were trying to point out an inconsistency there with the way that Donald Trump reacts, where he's tweeting, okay, calling this guy an animal, calling for the death penalty twice, I think, in two separate tweets. And then when you have these gunmen, uh, like the guy in Texas, there's a very inconsistent response. Oh, it's mental illness. We have a mental health crisis in this country when it's a white guy, but when it's a when it's a terrorist, it's a you fucking filthy animal. Which they're both filthy animals. It's just the way it is. You murder when you're a serial murderer. Well, I guess they're not serial murderers, but they are certainly mass murderers. I you know I I I fail to see the obligation to uh, ascribe humanity to you anymore i'm fine with him calling the terrorist an animal i have the problem where he makes a bunch of fucking excuses for the stephen paddocks and this dink in texas well he's talking about how the justice isn't strong enough right but he's interfering with the justice by tweeting about how this person should get the death penalty right because he's essentially handing a gift to the defense and giving them the opportunity to say, uh, the president was tweeting yeah, and this is painting the jury pool. So all of those talking points are just being gifted by the president. It's exa- Well, I mean, I'm not Drew, but it, it's got to be maddening. I'm assuming you're not Drew. That is for sure. That's a very accurate statement. Yes. Brittany Page, everybody. Accuracy. Well, and he hasn't even tweeted about the shooter. The, the one tweet that he has sent is may God be with the people of Sutherland Springs, yeah, Texas. Right. The FBI and law enforcement are on the scene. I am monitoring the situation from Japan. So he has had nothing to say about the shooter. And well, he wants to wait for all the facts when it's a white guy. But when it's a Muslim, when it's a terrorist, when it's a Muslim terrorist, uh, he doesn't need to wait for the facts. Nah, let's jump the gun. Mm-hmm. Let's make all kinds of, of proclamations. Yeah. And immediately have a conversation about extreme vetting. He was asked by a reporter because he's in, in Korea right now. I don't know when it was today or yesterday because of the time. But she asked him about, well, you know, you want extreme vetting. Right. This happened just now, so I don't have a clip. But uh, you want extreme vetting to let people into America. How about extreme vetting to let people have a gun? 
And he goes, well, I'm in North Korea right now. I don't know how appropriate <laughs> that. If you think that question's appropriate, I guess I'll answer it. Well, you know, guns are still an issue in the United States, whether you're halfway across the world or not, dick face. Well, and then he went on to say that they are not the problem and that even if there was gun control, that this would have happened. Right. He said, well, if you have extreme vetting, maybe those people who shot the guy wouldn't have had a gun. Well, if they're not qualified under extreme vetting, then maybe they shouldn't have a gun to begin with, guy. Mm -hmm. He's just a fucking mook. So let's get back to this joke and laughing stock. We all just heard what he said. I played the extended answer. So you'd know in context that he was saying our justice system is a joke and a laughing stock. Well, Jim Acosta who does bang up goddamn work at CNN, ask Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the other liar associated with the Trump administration, and she flatly denied in the White House press room that that is what he said. Uh, why did the president call the U.S. justice system a, a joke and a laughing stock during his comments in the comments? <coughs> That's uh, not what he said. He, he said that the system of justice... Uh, in this he country, said that process. A joke. He said the process has people calling us a joke and calling us a laughing stock. Uh, look, I think as I told Marguerite, he simply pointing out his frustration uh, of how long that this process takes, how costly this process is, um, and particularly for someone to be a known terrorist, that that process shouldn't move faster. That's the point he's making. That's the frustration he has. So she claims because she's a fucking liar that he was talking about the process, that people are saying we were a joke and a laughing stock. Let's revisit. Because what we have right now is a joke and it's a laughing stock. Seems pretty cut and dry, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That's not what he said. He wasn't talking about people's opinion of us. He was talking about his opinion. Because what we have right now is a joke and a laughing stock. I believe the only reason he does say this, one, is to shore up his base relative to his agenda, clearly. But the other thing is, we're dealing with the courts. We're dealing with uh, the judiciary, which he doesn't head. He heads the executive branch. This is a problem for America. The other thing that came up was the fact that now we know there are indictments. Now we know there are cooperating witnesses relative to the Russia investigation. Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions is in, in trouble. Well, Donald Trump has claimed in recent days about the glory of his memory. And now it's starting to fail as these investigations are getting closer and closer to him. It's been a highly consequential week in the Russian investigation. We're now one guilty plea and two indictments into the probe, and it neither looks like the end or even the beginning of the end, and where things go from here is anybody's guess. What does seem clear tonight is that it, as the amount of testimony and documentary evidence grows, it'll get harder and harder for anyone involved to tell flat-out falsehoods or claim amnesia when the accumulated evidence might say otherwise, which hasn't stopped President Trump from trying. Here's the president back in February. 
Can you say whether you are aware that anyone who advised your campaign had contacts with Russia during the course of the election? Well, I told you, General Flynn obviously was dealing, so that's one person, but he was dealing as he should have been. During the election? No, no nobody that I know of. Well, since then, we've learned that Jeff Sessions had on several occasions, Jared Kushner had in Trump Tower, Paul Manafort had with Jared Kushner at that same Trump Tower meeting, also George Papadopoulos. That's at least of all those we know about so far. He's the member of uh, Papadopoulos is the member of then candidate Trump's foreign policy advisory panel who pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI, of course. Here he is in March of last year meeting with Mr. Trump. We now know, according to another participant in that meeting, that Papadopoulos pitched the idea of setting up a meeting with candidate Trump and Vladimir Putin. And Mr. Trump, quote, heard him out. Today, though, before leaving on his Asia trip, the president said he didn't remember. I, I don't remember much about that meeting. It was a very unimportant meeting. It took place a long time. Don't remember much about it. President's memory fails him there. This is the president who just recently said his memory could never fail him. That's how good it is. There's no hesitation. One of the great memories of all time. One of the great memories of all time. As we said, though, it is not just the president's statements that are coming to question. It's those of his attorney general and others. So, again, more embarrassment. <laughs> you would think it should be embarrassing, shouldn't it? Yeah, and I, I haven't really heard... Um, from Trump supporters on this, any sort of defense. So I don't know. I'm seeing fewer and fewer Trump supporters argue his case. Um, Like there used to be some rational voices, you know, somewhat rational voices. Now it just seems to be the core group of trolls who don't really use reason or rationality to make an argument. I think I, I'm i seeing something similar, I guess, where I just don't see as much defense, period. So I, it's frustrating because I want to hear from the people that supported him, and I want to know what they, they think about this. And I think it's important for them, if they are going back on their support, or they think that some of his behavior is unacceptable or some things aren't making sense, then I think it's important for them to come out and say that because yeah. it's possible that, that other Trump supporters could listen to them and be swayed by them. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, let's talk a little bit about this George Papadopoulos guy who, Caputo, Michael Caputo, who's a radio host in Buffalo and was on the Trump campaign, has called a coffee boy. Well, there's a photo from Donald Trump's own Instagram account of Caputo or of uh, Papadopoulos. See, I mean, I'm talking about stuttering now. I'm stuttering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of George Papadopoulos sitting at a meeting, a foreign policy meeting, with Jeff Sessions at one head of the table, Donald Trump at the other head, and then Coffee Boy, little Coffee Boy George Papadopoulos. They just happened to give him a seat at the foreign policy meeting table once he was done, I, I guess, get, getting the coffee. Yeah, he probably needed to sit in order to slide it onto the table. Yeah, he was holding yeah. so many. That's right. That's there were a lot is. of people at the table. Because, you know, low-level coffee-getting interns often end up sitting at high-level foreign policy meetings, Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. So Donald Trump, who once again said this about his memory. One of the great memories of all time. There was no hesitation. One of the great memories of all time. 
doesn't remember this ah, inconsequential foreign policy meeting that was important enough to advertise to your followers on Instagram. Now, Donald Trump singing a different tune. I, I don't remember much about that meeting. It was a very unimportant meeting. It took place a long time. Don't remember much about it. How is it that he can reconcile those two different things? How is it that Donald Trump supporters are able to, 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 to allow those two things to exist in the same space? The, one of the great memories of all time. That's not something to take lightly. That is because think of the great memories of all time. Mm-hmm. They are photographic. They are, oh, I was born on June 27th. Oh, that was a Tuesday. It was mm-hmm. rainy. But memory is a fucking phenomenal thing. If you have one of the great memories of all time, that should mean something. It should mean that you remember all the meetings, both inconsequential and very important as this meeting was. Well, and this would be a good time for a journalist to use some therapeutic wonderment and say, well, two days ago, you (laughs) pointed at your head, though, and you said that you have one of the greatest memories of all time. Like you pointed to your head where the memory is. So that is where the memory is. (laughs) If you could kind of help me out, because I'm I'm having a difficult time reconciling these two things. Can you help me with that? That's prick shit, bro. (laughs) That's prick shit. And that would probably be his response. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So Not only is George Papadopoulos a problem for this investigation, not for the investigation, but for those being investigated, so is Carter Page. Both have communicated with Jeff Sessions about wanting to set up communications between Donald Trump directly with Vladimir Putin. And then Carter Page talked about going to Russia, his impending trip, and then what ended up being his the trip he took. Both talked about this in the presence and directly to Jeff Sessions, who denied, denied, flatly denied, angrily denied before the Congress, before the Senate Judiciary Committee, in confirmation hearings and then subsequent hearings to clear up matters that he lied about during his initial testimony, allegedly, allegedly. You hear that, everybody? Thank you. Allegedly. <laughs> so we should just have a one-word title for this episode, and it should just be allegedly. <laughs> that should cover the asses, right? If you remember from last year, Al Franken, he was the one who really mixed it up with Jeff Sessions. Oh, he loves Jeff Sessions. Yeah, yeah. They have a good time. And he is now calling to have Jeff Sessions brought back in. To clear up these inconsistencies is the nice senatorial way to say it. To clear up these fucking lies. Allegedly. (laughs) Here's something about that. Attorney General Jeff Sessions under fire this evening, facing new questions about what he said under oath about his time on the Trump campaign and any discussion involving the Russians. Some asking, how did Sessions forget what was discussed at this meeting with the campaign advisor, who has now pleaded guilty and is cooperating with special counsel Robert Mueller. ABC's chief investigative correspondent, Brian Ross, tonight. The Attorney General of the United States, Jeff Sessions, is being accused tonight of hiding the truth. He either has a terrible memory uh, 
or he deliberately was not telling me the truth. All based on new information about what happened at this Trump campaign meeting, chaired by then-Senator Sessions. According to court filings this week, foreign policy advisor George Papadopoulos, seated between Sessions and Donald Trump, told the group he had connections with Russia that could help arrange a meeting between Trump and Vladimir Putin. Yet Sessions twice testified no one in the campaign was involved with Russia. First, in January... Senator Franken, I'm not aware of um, any of those activities. And then again last month. I don't believe they occurred. An aide to Sessions disputes the Papadopoulos account. But another person at the meeting, J.D. Gordon, a campaign aide, recalls Sessions being part of a discussion about the Papadopoulos proposal and shooting it down. It's part of a pattern, uh, but every time it just seems to uh, be get worse and worse and worse. Adding to the questions about Sessions' truthfulness is another former campaign advisor, Carter Page. He tells ABC News he informed Sessions during the campaign, in passing, he says, of a trip he was about to take to Moscow, a trip he described to us earlier this year. And they saw a great potential for the future. You know, I, I had been If going, Donald Trump was elected? Yes, yes. As for the president, he too has denied again and again anyone in his campaign was involved with Russia. No, no nobody that I know of. Nobody so you're not I aware know. of any contacts <laughs> during look, the course look. of the election? How many times do I have to answer this question? Just nine days ago, the president touted his memory. One of the great memories of all time. But asked today about that campaign meeting last year with Papadopoulos and Sessions, he said this. I don't remember much about that meeting. It was a very unimportant meeting. It took place a long time. Don't remember much about it. And before he left for Asia, the president took his own swipe at Attorney General Sessions, asked if he might fire him for not investigating the Democrats. They should be looking at a lot of things and a lot of people are disappointed in the Justice Department, including me. Brian Ross with us here tonight. And to keep things straight for our viewers at home, we know that Jeff Sessions met twice with the Russian ambassador during the campaign after initially denying any contact with the Russians. He later amended this testimony acknowledging he did. But, Brian, these are new questions about a second meeting during which the Russians were discussed, even the idea of meeting uh, between then-candidate Trump and Vladimir Putin, a meeting the Justice Department says that Sessions uh, turned down, but if he did turn it down, how did he not remember turning it down? Well, that is the question, David. And today, Senator Franken told me he wants Sessions to come back to Congress once again to answer a slew of new questions, saying it's time for the Attorney General now to speak with a clear and consistent voice once and for all. You heard the president say he's unhappy at the Justice Department. Brian, thank you. <laughs> unhappy at the Justice Department. We're going to discuss all this and more after the break. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. TJ. TJ? Yes. Is this a new TJ? This is an increased pledge, TJ. Oh, increased pledge, TJ. Yes. Thank you, TJ. I'm I'm overwhelmed by how many of our current patrons are upping their pledges. Mhm. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm a little <laughs> I don't want to say, oh, it's too much, but nah, come on. It's, we shouldn't rely upon our 
current pledges to get us to the third episode. Yeah, that's what what's happening is there's a, a movement afoot um, <laughs> with the current listeners. It's afoot. In the uh, Facebook Dollamore listener group. And they're encouraging one another to increase their pledge amount to get to hashtag third episode. And that is... Fantastic. That is beautiful. But that is not the only way to get us to hashtag third episode. You can tell a friend. Okay. If you have a friend that you know and you're always talking politics with that person and you feel that that they would get value from the discussions that we have here on this show, that they would get value from contributing to the discussions that we have on this show. Get value from all of Britney's varied many voices. Yeah. The classic impressions just a moment (laughs) (laughs) um then uh, tell them about the show and bring them on board and spread the word spreading the word is another great way to do that uh leaving us itunes reviews profanity free itunes reviews is another way to get the show in front of people even if you're not if you if you don't feel if you feel up to a review where you actually write great show or whatever you write that's awesome. But if you don't even fill up to that and you use iTunes, now the new app, which is a shitty deal, Apple Podcast app sucks, but you can just click the star and just leave a rating. Mm-hmm. And that is fantastic, too. I don't know if it has quite the impact, but any impact is better than no impact, as yeah. they say, Brittany, as the scientists say. Of course. <laughs> And then aside from that, do not forget that since the holidays are coming up, you're probably starting your holiday shopping. You can use Amazon, the dollamore.com slash Amazon link. If you click through that, uh, it's no additional charge to you. We get some of that back. That's really helpful. And also... Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving episode. Listen. We we are way behind on submissions. I am going to start harassing every episode. And I might even start doing individual harassment. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So send in a voicemail or a voice memo, please. I doubt it at dollamore.com. This is my favorite episode of the year. I love hearing from people all of the various experiences that people have had throughout the year um, that bring them to these different conclusions about what they can recognize in their life to be thankful for. It's such a powerful reflection, and we want to hear from you. And look, I know as well as anybody else. I don't want to pull a Donald Trump, and I know better than anybody but I know as well as anybody else that it's these are tough times and sometimes it is hard to get your arms around something for which you're thankful because we live in the age of Donald Trump as president of the United States and that's a bummer. But this might be a cathartic exercise of locating that space within your mind and finding the things that are meaningful to you, the things that you are thankful for that you have gratitude for. Again, this isn't just an exercise for Americans because we celebrate Thanksgiving at the end of November. Uh, If you're international, we welcome your calls too. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Um, Again, this is a meaningful, profanity-free, family-friendly episode. And right now, we just, we don't have enough submissions to to do what we want to do with it. Yeah. So this is the last thing. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Dollamore at Brittany E. Page. I know. I shouldn't have done that. Brittany E. Page. Yes. And I Doubt It podcast. Also go like the Facebook page. I Doubt It podcast. So 
That is all. That is all. All right. Back to the the Jeff Sessions news. So last, with that clip, Donald Trump said that a lot of people are disappointed with the Justice Department, including me. I have heard floated the theory that Donald Trump is throwing Jeff Sessions under the bus so he could replace him with a new, a new attorney general that would dispense with the sacking of, of Bob Mueller. I don't know if I buy into that. It seems a little conspiratorial. It seems a little high level for Donald Trump to be thinking that far ahead. But it is certainly a concern. And I believe that if Donald Trump fires Jeff Sessions for any reason, well, obviously I'm saying this, but we need to put pressure on the Congress like we have not done so yet to immediately draw up articles of impeachment and get rid of this fucking guy. Because he has it in his head what he wants to do. He has it in his head. He's talking about it out loud about how he wants to be involved in these investigations. He wants to be on the inside with the FBI and the Justice Department. And he's he has said it. And then it makes him frustrated that he cannot. That is right. Interfere. On Larry O'Connor show on WMAL in Washington, D.C., Donald Trump said this. But, you know, the saddest thing is that because of the president of the United States, I am not supposed to be involved with the Justice Department. I'm not supposed to be involved with uh, the FBI. I'm not supposed to be doing the kind of things that I would love to be doing. And I'm very frustrated by it. I look at what's happening with the Justice Department. Why aren't they going after Hillary Clinton with her emails and with her uh, the dossier and the kind of money? I don't know. Is it possible that they paid $12.4 million for the dossier? And how is it? which is total phony fake fraud and how is it used and you know it's very discouraging to me i will be honest i'm not, i'm very unhappy with it that the justice department isn't going now maybe they are but you know as president and i think you understand this uh, as a president you're not supposed to be yeah. involved in that process right. but hopefully they are doing something and at some point maybe we're going to all have it out it isn't as though this is shocking, though. No. Remember during the debate when he, he had that line and Hillary Clinton said uh, something about, you know, luckily you're not in office or something. And he said, because you'd be in jail. Because you'd be in jail. Yeah. And he would like to be jailing his political opponents, prosecuting right. his political opponents. Well, let's think about that. That isn't something that happens... In the United States. In fact, we go out of our way, even in moments when we probably should put our leaders in jail like Nixon. But for the sake of the betterment of the country, I don't always agree with this. There are moments where I soften to the proposition. But Gerald Ford, who had been put there when Spiro Agnew had to leave because of tax evasion as vice president of the United States... Gerald Ford became president when Nixon resigned. When Nixon resigned, he subsequently was pardoned for any future involvement relative to the Watergate conspiracy because Gerald Ford postulated that we just needed to move on as a country and start the healing process and not continue to live 
with the problems, with the strife that had gone on prior to that for many, many, many months. We go out of our way as a country to not prosecute our political opponents. But that's not in the mind of this banana republic goon, Donald Trump. He desperately wants to insert himself into investigations. Whether it be by recommending them, quote unquote, on Twitter, or outright saying he wants to, it's frustrating for him that he can't be leading an investigative team. Well, first of all, you can't handle what's on your plate right now, Donald Trump. Why the fuck would we give you extra responsibility? Who are you going to, what's another thing Jared Kushner's going to do? Come on. Well, I, I like this quote from um, Lawfare blog. Oh, yeah. And um, they wrote this amazing article about this whole situation. And in it, they wrote, quote, This is not an argument for complacency. A president who aspires to undemocratic behaviors can whittle away at norms over time. The total absence of civic virtue in the man, what Comey called, quote, the nature of the person, is profoundly dangerous. Who knows how long the chains will hold him? particularly in the absence of a Congress that cares about his predations and in the presence of a political base that seems to revel in them. Yet seeing Donald Trump chafe with frustration at what he cannot do, at least not yet, is a moment to warm the Democratic heart. It is as vivid a portrait as I have ever seen of the American government structurally limiting the impulse to tyranny. So they're saying that this is actually positive that Donald Trump is expressing this frustration because ultimately he's constrained and that is a good thing. But they're also saying that over time, someone like him can, as they say, whittle away at the norms yeah. and kind of create this atmosphere in the public that is okay with what he's saying and even champions what he's saying in terms of he should be able to do this. Yeah. He should be able to have these powers my belief is, my prediction, if you will, I'll say it that way so I get to toot my own horn later. Uh-oh. Much to Walter from St. Louis's chagrin, I will be tooting my own horn. But as we see this investigation get closer to Donald Trump, and as people like Carter Page, and as people like George Papadopoulos get closer with the information they have provided because of indictment, because of guilty pleas. Because after all... Snitches get stitches. <laughs> when Paul Manafort begins to sing, because he is a terrible liar, remember this. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. <laughs> <laughs> What? When these people are getting close to Donald Trump, what I predict is he's going to ramp up that rhetoric. He's going to try to force, forcibly insert himself into investigations, into the Justice Department. He's going to try to remove people from their positions. Right now he's constrained, but in a, in a fit of fight or flight, it's going to be all he has is fight or flight. He's either going to have to resign 
or he's going to start acting erratically, lashing out like a wolf with his goddamn, well, we shouldn't say wolf with Donald Trump, like a, like a ratty little coyote with a, its leg in a trap. It's going to lash out, and that'll be Donald Trump. We will, of course, be following all of this as time goes on. I'm just, uh, I'm happy to be to be accumulating clips of these morons that he's placed around himself. These are people he handpicked. That's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the our position is. It's truly <laughs> remarkable. It is unbelievable. Yeah. So. There we are. Oh, you have one more thing. I do. On the Trump thing. Yeah. This is, (laughs) again, not a shocking thing about Donald Trump. Not surprising. It's not shocking. It's not surprising, but just what a fucking goddamn. So I looked at the people that he follows, and he follows 45 people. Not that many. 45 because he's 45. Oh, you think he did that? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the first person that he followed... Do you want to guess? I mean, just if we're thinking in terms of priority of the most important person in his life, hmm. who would he follow first? If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> it is Ivanka. I was searching for it desperately. Yes, Ivanka, followed by Donald Trump Jr. Of course. Followed by not Eric Trump. Oh. No. It goes Pierce Morgan, Greta Van Susteren. Pierce Morgan. Bill O'Reilly, and then Eric Trump. Wow. Yeah. So you so, know but how they... he has another kid though. Uh Tiffany. Well, we'll get to her in a second. She's, oh, okay. she's way up there. Um <laughs> <laughs> But they they always talk about they being just everyone, uh how Ivanka and Donald Trump Jr. are favored. And, yeah. and particularly Ivanka over Donald Trump Jr. And Eric gets made fun of as kind of the bumbling guy who's, who's just riding on the coattails of Donald Trump Jr., right? Yeah. Um, even on SNL, that's kind of yeah, the sure. way that they paint it. But Tiffany is actually the 35th person that he followed. Wow. Yeah. Holy so, shit. So ahead of her are Laura Ingram, Mike Pence, official Trump team, Drudge Report, Drudge Vanessa Report. Trump, <laughs> Laura Trump, Sean Hannity, Ann Coulter, Corey Lewandowski, Fox Nation, Diamond and Silk. Wow. Katrina those YouTube Pearson. Ding dongs. Yeah. God so damn. I mean, just many people that he is not related to. Tiffany uh, seems to be the most normal one of them all. That's just to me. Well, that's just because you've never heard from her. Yeah. Right? What have you heard from her? <laughs> well, th- th- maybe that's the way it needs to be. Yeah. Well, she probably didn't spend a lot of time around him. Yeah. Hence, primarily with Marla. Hence being followed 35th. Yes. 35th. But they always talk about Tiffany as being not really included in the family. Right. And, and so He's I just. He's been on Twitter a long goddamn time, too. Yeah. I just think it's interesting looking at the order in which he followed people and how that might represent his real world priorities for how he values people. Yeah. All right. Well, we have two ending segments for the show. Taking care of biz. The audience. Our audience is taking care of biz. Yeah, the audience is going to have an opportunity Oh, to take care of biz. It's potential taking care of biz. Yes. 
How is this? So there is a nine-year-old, and his name is Jacob Thompson. And he's a cancer patient with stage four cancer. And he has a final wish. And he wants to celebrate Christmas early because he uh, likely will not be here for Christmas. So what he's asking for are Christmas cards. And we are going to post the address. And I I think that it, it might be difficult to find Christmas cards right now. I don't know. I went to Trader Joe's. There weren't any. Um, so you can also make them if you can't find them. Uh, whatever it is, I'm sure that it will make him feel special. And um, I think it's important to do. So we're going to put the address up there. We've already put this on the Facebook page and the Twitter page. Let's read the address too. Yeah. So it's Jacob Thompson, care of Maine Medical Center. 22 Bram Hall Street, B-R-A-M-H-A-L-L, Portland, Maine, 04102. So that will be in the show notes. We also I put a link on the Facebook page. We'll pin that to the top of the Facebook page so you don't have to search for it. Also, we will put it on the website with this episode where the show notes would be. So you can go to dollamore.com to find the address. Hey, it's going to be all over. Jacob Thompson, in care of Maine Medical Center, 22 Bram Hall Street, Portland, Maine, 04102. That would be awesome. And it would give you the opportunity to take care of some biz. That is, we, we, we did this one time a couple years ago. And really, someone who has terminal cancer, a child with terminal cancer, it is uh, a beautiful thing to bring a little light into an otherwise pretty pretty desperate time. So we love you guys. We know you'll take care of biz. Thank you very much. And now, let's wrap. It's the asshole of today. Ainsley Earhart. What about this country? the majority? Because I'm so tired of protecting the minority. That is her. She is a big winner. And she is on Fox News. She is the co-host of Fox and Friends with Steve Ducey and Brian Kilmeade. The show from which Donald Trump gets all of his news. That is exactly right. That is, he does get his news from Fox and Friends. Yes. So. He'll watch a segment on whatever ding dong thing they're covering and then tweet about it right away like he's on top of shit. Yeah. So <laughs> she's in the news because she was trying to find the positive in the shooting in Texas. The silver lining, if you will. Yeah. And the silver lining that she found was, well, that. The best place for this to happen is where it happened. Afflicted wound. Governor, you know, we've been reporting this shouldn't happen in a church, but I was downstairs talking with some people that work here that um, we all talk about our faith and we share the same beliefs. We were saying there's no other place we would want to go in that other than church because I'm there asking for forgiveness. I feel very close to, to Christ when I'm there. So I'm trying to look at some positives here and know that those people are with the Lord now and experiencing eternity and, and no more suffering, no more sadness anymore. Um, but on that note, did you talk to any of the- That is trite bullshit. That is, that's offensive is what that is. 
Um, I have been angry for uh, 24 hours. <laughs> How many times have I told you to save it for the show? Yeah. Um, I I just don't know why this is an acceptable thing to say. So they're with the Lord now. Well, then why even try to stop this from happening? Because they're they're in the beautiful heaven. They're with Paradise. the Lord now. Paradise. Yeah. So what a beautiful end for them. Why should we even bother trying to stop these mass shootings from happening? Because ultimately people get to go home and be with the Lord. So, I mean, is it that tragic? Right. There, I don't see much difference here in this ideology than uh, a martyr who wants to go be with Allah with his 72 virgins. There's not, this is a death cult attitude is what that is. Well, and, and it's, it's insulting to the people that have lost their family members because, I mean, you want to talk about too soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to find the positive in the situation. Why don't you leave that up to the people that are trying to make meaning out of what has happened in their life? Leave that up to them. Yeah. They don't need you to try to make meaning of what has happened to them. Okay? Or why don't we actually have meaning come from this in logical, sensible, reasonable gun legislation that would have prevented this? Yeah, and I think the the other frustrating aspect of this is the whole thoughts and prayers thing. And, and you're seeing these conservative pundits say... Oh, look at the liberals mocking people for praying and blah, 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 and talking about how it happened in a church. Not the best way to win people to your side. Well, it's just factual information that you are telling people to pray to solve this problem and that they were murdered while they were praying yeah. in a church. Yeah. They were in God's house, right? So what? Uh, this is just not making sense it's also, not adding up this wasn't like a mega church with some charlatan pastor this was a church that was doing good work in the community they were the food bank for this tiny community by all accounts they were being christ-like giving unto the most needy among us and I do want to say for people who would say, oh, well, you know, give her the benefit of the doubt. She's just trying to make the best of a terrible situation and give hope to people. Well, we can't give her the benefit of the doubt because we know her character. What about this country? the majority? Okay, the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. And we know the kinds of things that she has said in the past like that. We know the way that she feels. We know her attitude. We know her, her position on these issues. So... It's hard for me to give her the benefit of the doubt, knowing that information. That's right. Um, and I I just, I, again, I can't move away from this idea of if you think that what happened here is ultimately positive because now they are with the Lord, I think that that is problematic because that thinking in some ways can hinder a desire to take action on this issue. If you ultimately reason your way around the actual tragedy that has occurred, why would there be any emphasis placed on taking action to stop it in the future? And not even on this issue, but about climate change. Why do we need to worry about saving the earth? Jesus is going to be here soon. When we die, we're going to be in an unimaginably better place. 
That's a problem. That is a problem. Why not just off yourself now to go to your paradise? I mean, where does it stop? You need to, we need to live the best life. I believe, and I believe Brittany believes, we only have one. But if you believe there is something better, it does lessen the responsibility to do good with what we have now. Well, and listen, there's there's kids that survived the shooting that lost their parents and lost yeah. their siblings. And I don't know that it it would be useful to tell a kid that you're the parents that you lost and the siblings that you lost. Well, they're in a better place now. And here you are. You survived four gunshot wounds and you don't have parents or siblings anymore. And your condition is now demonstrably worse than it was before. And I mean And they're in a better place. Is that kid going to wonder, "Well, why am I not in a in a better place?" Yeah. Why am I not going to the better place? You see, I just think that these talking points they sound good and they sound comforting, but in actuality they can cause other concerns for people, other anxieties. Yeah. And I Ultimately, I don't think that it's positive to to say things like this. So, like I said, even if I was giving her the benefit of the doubt, I'm not because of what she has said in the past. Even if I was, majority. Okay, the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. I, I can't miss a moment to remind everybody. <laughs> even if I was, not a productive thing to say. Yeah. All right. Well, we will leave you with that. We love you guys. We appreciate you. If you would like to sound off, communicate with the show, tell us what you think, share an opinion, ask us a question, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. That is also where you should send the Thanksgiving episode submission. We have posted on Facebook. We have posted in the Dollamore discussion group. Uh... An example of what how the show ends up to give you an idea of where to go with it. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us once again. We'll see you one more time this week for hashtag third episode. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Yes, just a second. <laughs> <laughs>